Welcome, my name is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and we thank you for taking some time to listen to some audio recordings from the pulpit of the Riverview Baptist Church. Our desire is to show the Lord high, holy, and lifted up, as well as try to be a blessing to those through the Word of God. Please enjoy this message, and we pray that it will be a blessing to your life. And if you wouldn't mind to take your copy of the Word of God and turn with me to the Gospel record of Mark. The Gospel record of Mark and chapter number 8. The Gospel record of Mark and chapter number 8. We're continuing with this wonderful Gospel record, the Gospel record of action. And remember that this pictures Jesus Christ as the man of action. It shows him working over and over and over. It puts an emphasis on his works. And by his works, we can recognize that he indeed is God. And so now as we've been going through, remember that Jesus Christ has been working with his disciples. Now he's had some enemies that have been popping up from time to time again. But the emphasis that we've been working on is watching Jesus work with the disciples. Remember they've been traveling back and forth uh, over the lake, uh, the Sea of Galilee, that they've seen the witness and watched the feeding of the 5,000. What a great miracle that is. That shows with God all things are possible. That God is the God who can supply all of our earthly needs. He can supply all of our spiritual needs. Our God can provide. Then they were repeated that lesson in the feeding of the 4,000. Uh, uh, <clears throat> it's one of those miracles that are often neglected and forgotten about because it matches the feeding of the 5,000 and the feeding of the 7,000. But yet Jesus is working with the disciples and he's teaching them something. But now it is test day. Let's see if the disciples pass the test. Let's see if the disciples have learned what Jesus Christ is trying to be instilling in them in the last couple passages we've been reading. Notice with me, if you don't mind, in the gospel record of Mark in chapter number 8. The gospel record of Mark chapter 8, and notice with me in verse number 10. The gospel record of Mark chapter 8, notice with me verse 10. And straightway he entered into a ship with his disciples, and came into the parts of Damutha. And the Pharisees came forth, and began to question with him, seeking of him a sign from heaven, tempting him. And he sighed deeply in his spirit, and saith, Why doth this generation seek after a sign? Verily I say unto you, There shall be no sign be given unto this generation." And he left them and entered into the ship again, departed to the other side. Now the disciples had forgotten to take bread. Neither had they in the ship with them more than one loaf. And he charged them saying, take heed, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and of the leaven of Herod. And they reasoned among themselves saying, it is because we have no bread. And when Jesus knew it, he saith unto them, Why reason ye, because ye have no bread? Perceive ye not, neither understand? Have ye your heart yet hardened? Having eyes, see ye not? And having ears, hear ye not? And do ye not remember? When I break the five loaves among five thousand, how many baskets full of fragments took ye up? And they say unto him, Twelve. 
And when the seven among four thousand, how many baskets full of fragments took ye up? And they said, seven. And he said unto them, how is it that ye do not understand? And with the Lord's help, I'd like you to mark a phrase that we find in the gospel record of Mark in chapter number eight. The gospel record of Mark chapter 8. And I want you to notice with me in verse number 15. Notice there's two phrases that I want you to underline. The leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. The leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. And with the Lord's help, we want to preach the message of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Herodians. The leaven of the Pharisees and the Herodians. If you don't mind, let's go to the Lord together and let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you again for you being a wonderful God. And you are indeed a wonderful God. A God who is the creator God, the God of the heavens and the earth. You're the God who created all things. And we know with God, all things are possible. We're asking that as we look on in this classroom that Jesus has with his disciples. And we can see as the disciples are being tested. That we could learn the lesson that they are supposed to learn. That we could apply it to our own lives. Help us to have eyes to see and ears to hear. Help open up our understanding. That we can understand what Jesus is getting across in this classroom time with his disciples. Help us to understand more spiritual things that we could depend upon you. Again, fill me with your precious spirit that I don't say the things that I want, my ambitions, my goals, my desires, but instead I say those things that you direct and get across so that you could be pleased and glorified and that these good folks can be helped to look towards you. Strengthen us up today through your precious word and in Jesus' name we pray, amen. We see this important teaching of the leaven and the Herodians. And if I was to tongue-in-cheek give this a, another title, more of a tongue-in-cheek title, title, a, a subtitle, uh, notice the phrase in verse 12, and he sighed deeply. And tongue-in-cheek, this is pretty much an emphasis that we're seeing here, he sighed deeply. Now, it's a wonderful thing to see how Jesus is. Do you know that Jesus Christ is God, but he is also man? That means he is made of the same stuff we are. Now, he's 100% God. That means he never sinned, but he also was in the flesh, and he knew all points of temptation. And he also knew something called frustration. Now, there's some of people that are teachers in here. I was a teacher for a long time. And when I was working on this message, uh, the first time I started putting this together, I was still teaching high school and I had a class of seventh graders. Now the seventh graders are always a tough class to learn because they're growing up and they want to be independent, but they're also very dependent, meaning that they can't figure things out for themselves, but they think they can. And so you've got a bunch of class uh, students now who are trying to find out this balance, trying to find out this understanding. I can think for myself, but I don't know what to think. 
And it, of all the classes, it's this type of class, this type of age, where you teach and they have the Charlie Brown voice. And they, I see your lips moving, and that's even if they're looking at you. I don't hear any words. It's like they take their head, they sit down in class, they unzip it, take their brain out, set it right beside them, zip it back up and go, huh? I mean, this is where you start mixing math with science. They go, it doesn't work like that. You're not supposed to mix math and science. You just poison the whole thing. I can't pay attention. Once you start mixing uh, numbers with subject matter, it's gone. Or you start teaching them basic things of algebra and you start putting X's and Y's and what happened? And now their brain doesn't compute no more. They were doing all right when it was adding and multiplying maybe, but you start mixing letters and that's it. It doesn't compute anymore. And you could teach them and it's like this. It's like as a teacher, you write it up on the board, you do the problem for you and then you look at them and say, how do I do this problem? Ah... Uh... Okay, well, what did I do on the board? Can you see what's on the board now? Uh, what did I write? And thus you have the normal teacher and they sigh deeply. It carries the idea of a face palm or just rubbing your forehead. I don't know if Jesus had migraines. But if he did, I'm sure he named them after the disciples. Oh, I'm having a Peter today. And again, he had a perfect body. I don't know. It doesn't ever say that he had migraine. But it did say that he sighed deeply. And I'm sure there's many times where he's teaching the disciples. And by the way, this is just the start of it. Now, when you start understanding, looking things at Jesus as a teacher to a bunch of seventh grade disciple students... And you watch him as he teaches, and they don't get it. And Jesus will teach them, well, I'll give you a little preview. He will teach them over and over and over that I'm going to Jerusalem. When I get to Jerusalem, I'm going to be arrested. They're going to crucify me, but I'm going to rise again. And he teaches them in the gospel record of Mark over and over and over. And guess how many times they got it? None. And so, as a teacher, if the students do that to Jesus, I don't feel as bad. But it doesn't help when I'm looking at the student saying, what did I just write on the board? Uh, what does it say? And he sighed deeply. So with this context in mind, now we kind of understand, we're looking at it, the idea, what is it causing him to sigh? What is it that Jesus is rubbing his head and saying, come on, guys. What is it that's aggravating the greatest teacher who ever lived? It's the disciples. But he's using an incident that happens with the Pharisees. And he's trying to teach the disciples something. Now as we go here, let me do some more prep work. That Jesus describes there are three types of leaven in the word of God. Especially in the gospel records that he's teaching them. The three types of leaven were the leaven of the Herodians. The leaven of the Sadducees. And the leaven of of the Herodians. Now, let's further define our terms. What are we talking about leaven? What is this term? Well, leaven is a type of yeast that you would place in a bread that causes the bread to rise. Now, it's still bread without the yeast. It's just unleavened bread. It's more like a cracker. 
it's a hard type of bread type substance. But when you put yeast, it makes it fluffy. It's an additive that is placed in there. And when the Bible uses the idea of leaven, it's picturing the idea of an impurity, something that is wrong, something that makes uh, the original thing no longer pure. And so Jesus says there's three types of leaven, three types of thinking, three types of impurities that can mess up a person. The leaven of the Pharisees, the leaven of the Sadducees, and the leaven of the Herodians. And so if you don't mind, I'd like to explain the three leavens as Jesus is teaching the disciples in this passage here. The first thing I'd like to bring to your attention is the leaven of the Pharisees. The leaven of the Pharisees. Notice with me in verse number 10. And straightway, so immediately, he, that's Jesus, entered into his ship with his disciples and came into the parts of Dalmutha. And the Pharisees came forth and began to question with him, seeking of him a sign from heaven, tempting him. So the Pharisees came to meet Jesus. Now, who are the Pharisees? The Pharisees were the religious leaders of their day. They worked really hard on the outward appearance, but yet they neglected the inside. They looked religious, but they were not right with God. They were rotten in the inside. So, here Jesus encounters the, the Pharisees, and we're going to see the warning here, the leaven of the Pharisees. What is the leaven of the Pharisees? It is hypocrisy. The leaven of the Pharisees is hypocrisy. The word hypocrisy comes uh, from the word that we use, actor. They're actors. They pretend to be righteous and holy, but they're rotten in the inside. They pretend to be right with God, but they are so far away from God. It is hypocrisy. Now, most Christians are not hypocrites. They've just never grown. They're not pretending to be anything. They know that they're sinners saved by grace. You're not pretending. I know that I'm a failure. Hypocrisy comes when you're rotten in the inside, but you pretend you're not. Now, there is hypocrisy in churches and among Christian people, but most Christian people are failures and they're willing to say, I, I messed up, I'm not perfect, I messed up, I'm struggling with it. That's not hypocrisy, that's being honest. We're sinners saved by grace. The qualification to get saved is that you have to be a failure. You have to be messed up, you have to be a sinner. And that all we're doing is we're sinners saved by grace. I'm still a sinner, I'm just trying to follow after the Lord. But here are these hypocrites, the Pharisees, and they come and meet Jesus. So Jesus goes again to the Sea of Galilee to another different place, and they're waiting for him. Here's all the religious leaders. They look good. They're dressed right. They have everything prepared, and they're waiting for Jesus, and they begin to come with him with questions. Verse 11, and the Pharisees came forth and began to question with him, seeking of him a sign from heaven tempting him. So they came forth and they said, Jesus, if you're truly the Messiah, show us proof. Do a miracle before our eyes. Show us your amazing feats. And they're asking for a sign. 
They're asking for something. Now the problem with this is what Jesus explains in verse 12. And he sighed deeply in his spirit and saith, Why doth this generation seek after a sign? Verily I say unto you, there should be no sign given unto this generation. The problem with signs when people are looking for miracles and other things is that signs rarely satisfy. They end up just wanting more signs. They want more proof, more evidence. When the truth is all we need, and the Bible explains that later on different principles, that all we need is truth. Will you accept the truth? We don't need miracles to keep us going. Well, I guess Jesus doesn't love me anymore unless he gives me another miracle. How do we know that Jesus loves me? Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. It's not Jesus loves me, this I know, because I had a good day, it tells me so. Jesus is good to you whether you had a good day or not. Jesus is always good and always right. How do I know that? For the truth. For the Bible tells me so. But when people start looking for signs, they start looking for wonders, all they're going to want is more signs and more wonders. By the way, the same thing applies for entertainment. When people get to the idea that I want a church to entertain me, What's going to happen is if that church continues with that same entertainment, the entertainment will get boring. So they'll look for something else that's bigger and badder and louder and flashier and whatever else. And then they will go to wherever meets that fleshly need. I need this entertainment. I need something more. Ah, it's so boring. When in fact, the thing that you should be searching for is, does it say truth? Does it have truth there? But this is the leaven of the Pharisees. They're hypocrites. And they just want another sign. Show us proof. Now if Jesus showed them proof, would they believed? No, he's already done so many things. But the problem is, is that it wasn't the lack of proof. It was the lack that they would not believe the truth. They rejected it all the way from John the Baptist. And they continued to reject it. And no sign or no miracle would convince them. In fact, you know, it was out of God's goodness that he did not show them a sign. He could say that he sighed deeply unto the Spirit. So let's imagine classroom. You have that cantankerous spirit of a child who questions everything. Two plus two is two. Nuh-uh! You understand if you come up with this formula over here, two plus two does not equal four. It's actually three point something else. As you go into a curve, it will never truly meet that, but it will continue to go and get never touch. And You know, there's students that could argue that, and technically you certainly can from calculus type of voice. But you know, you have that student who wants to question everything, even the most basic thing. And this is the, 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 um, the Pharisees. They're questioning him, and they don't want to accept the truth, but they've got to come up with some reason why not to. And the teacher sighs deeply, come on. You're, I'm trying to teach the rest of the class, and you want to go with your other... Uh, ideas. You want to come with this other point of view and it's not helping. It's not adding, but it's just slowing down the class. And here they, we want to see a sign. We want proof that you are who you say you are. You know what Jesus could have done? Remember, he already sighed deeply, rubbing his head. You know what he could have done? He could have showed them the sign of fire and brimstone. He could have brought the legions of angels at his command and said, you want to see them? It was out of his mercy. He did not show them a sign. Because that's what they deserved. He was a gracious God. 
And so he gets done talking with the Pharisees and he begins to go with his disciples. Now, in other passages, it also mentions the leaven of the Sadducees. So let's cover that here too. So we see the leaven of the Pharisees. The leaven of the Pharisees is hypocrisy. Then we come to the leaven of the Sadducees, which is mentioned in other passages. The Sadducees were also a religious group, but their problem was unbelief. Unbelief. What do I mean by this? Well, the Sadducees did not believe all of the Bible was true. They believed the first five books of of the Bible, the books of Moses, the Pentateuch, but they denied many parts of the Bible. They rejected the supernatural. They rejected a resurrection of life. They rejected the idea of miracles. They even rejected the idea of angels. They refused to see that God was a miracle working God. And so here are the Sadducees. In fact, someone said that's why they're so sad, you see, is because they don't believe in the miracles. They don't believe that there's a God who could intervene in our life, that could hear and answer prayers. They reject a God who could open up the Red Sea and allow the children of Israel to walk past. They rejected the idea of Elijah raining down fire from heaven. They rejected the idea that Jesus Christ could perform miracles And they rejected probably the saddest thing of all, that there was resurrection after you die. That Jesus was the firstborn of the resurrection. And because he lives, we will live too. What a sad existence that would be if you did not believe that God could hear and answer prayer. What a hopeless existence that would be if you did not believe there was life after death. And that Jesus Christ can give you life eternal. And that we are going to live eternally with God afterwards. What a hopeless existence that would be. Do you know that there are people who could be religious. But still not believe that we're going to rise again. There are people who are religious. But they don't believe that God could hear and answer prayers. You know you could even sit in a church like this. And say God's not going to do anything. That God won't work. This is the leaven, the impurity of unbelief. Remember the theme we have this year is with God, all things are possible. What things? All things. God is trying to get across to us and remind us that this is a poison, a leaven of unbelief. To say God can't do it. That God can't work. The leaven of the Sadducees. Which brings us to one other thing here and where we're going to put our attention on. The leaven of the Herodians. The leaven of the Herodians. So the Pharisees had cornered Jesus and they said, show us a sign. Show us a miracle. And Jesus just waved them off. Nope. Not dealing with you guys. I'm not going to give you a sign. I'm not here to be your entertainment. I'm not a sideshow. I'm not a circus freak. It's not my responsibility to keep you entertained. If you're not going to believe the truth, then none of this is going to help. You're just going to find some other way to deny the truth. So notice with me in verse 13. And he left them, so he left the Pharisees, and entered to the ship again, departing to the other side. Now what it does is it shows us some context of what's happening. Now the disciples had forgotten to take bread. Neither had they in the ship 
with them more than one loaf. So the disciples have been busy, and the Bible had spoken about this before, that Jesus has been working them hard, and that they've been so busy. And so between all the disciples, as they're getting ready to go on the ship, no one thought to bring a lunch. No one forgot to pack anything. Now, it's not that important, but it is when you're hungry. But no one have, I've been thought about bringing lunch. No one brought anything on the boat. The boat's there. Everyone gets by. They're packing up all their stuff. And as they start selling in shore, they didn't even think that they got anything. In fact, all that they could find on the ship was just a little loaf. Now, you, their loaf was different than our loaf. Their loaf was like a biscuit. And one biscuit's not even going to fill up one person, much less the whole crew. And so they forgot to pack a lunch. So it's giving context here. It's trying to lead into this. Now, notice with me in verse 15. And he charged them, so Jesus charged the disciples, saying, take heed, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of, the, of Herod. All right, so here's the scene. The disciples pack up the boat while Jesus is dealing with the Pharisees. The Pharisees say, we want a sign. And Jesus said, no, I'm not dealing with you guys. Let's get in the boat. So when Jesus gets in the boat, being a teacher, he wants to use the object that just happened to teach them a lesson. All right, boys, uh, you need to beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of the Sadducees. Now, all the disciples heard was, beware of leaven. He must be talking about bread. Oh, he's yelling at us because we forgot bread. We're stupid. We're stupid. How come we didn't bring, how come you didn't bring bread? It's not what Jesus was talking about. But that's what they went to. It's like a disconnect. The teacher's trying to teach one subject and the students are hearing something else. Oh man, he's yelling at us again. Peter, you're the leader. You're supposed to remember to do this. And Jesus sighed deeply. It's not what I'm talking about, guys. I'm not talking about bread. So he tells them to beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. And they reason among themselves saying, it is because we have no bread. And when Jesus knew it, he saith unto him, Why reason ye because you have no bread? Perceive ye not yet, neither understand. Have your heart, uh, have ye your heart yet hardened? So he sighs deeply. He rubs his forehead, says, Guys, why are you bringing up bread? That's not what I'm talking about. That's what I'm not, I'm not teaching about that. Why is your heart harden again. Why are you having this? Why don't you under get it? See, even Jesus had to tell his students, why aren't you getting this? Why aren't you understanding? Again, makes me feel better as a teacher working with those seventh graders. Why don't you understand? Do you understand the words that are coming from my mouth? I'm not talking about bread. I'm not talking about lunch. We're talking about something more important than lunch. I better not say lunch too often. Otherwise you guys will tune me out and start thinking about something else. We're not talking about lunch. What is he talking about? Well, the leaven of the Herodians is this. It's worldliness. What does this mean? The Herodians were a political party. So the other two were religious parties. This was a political party who believed the government had the answer to all of their problems. They believed that everything could be resolved by putting the right things in place in the world. Their belief revolved 
around the material world. What they could see, what they could do, it would revolve around money and power. They had the idea that even though the politicians were corrupt, that if they could put the right people in government and make the right laws and the right stuff, that what would happen is that revival would happen. That it would, they believed that they could use the material world to, to solve the spiritual problems. If you're in the habit of writing down notes, I want you to write down an important phrase. You cannot legislate morality. You cannot legislate morality. What do we mean by that? Well, back starting in the 80s and going through the 90s, there was a political group called the majority right. Or the uh, uh, righteous majority. I just forgot what it is. You guys remember, <laughs> some of you. And what this group did is they believed if they could get the right president and the right Congress, put uh, the right people within the Senate and Congress, that all of the problems in America would get fixed. It did not work. Some people believe that in order to solve some of these issues in life, we need to pass a law. But you cannot change the heart of someone by passing a rule. Because their problem is a spiritual problem. And not a physical problem. You could pass a law and outlaw whatever sin or whatever moral failing you want. But it does not change the heart. We have to be careful with this. For example, we have the idea of protesting. We have the freedom to lawfully protest in our country. And I appreciate those people who exercise that right. I'm not against it. But we have to recognize that that protest does not change the problem. The problem is the heart. You cannot use material pro uh, answers to solve a spiritual problem. There are many people who believe in what is called a social gospel. And their idea is that if we can make the world a better place, then what will happen is that the hearts of men will follow suit. It doesn't work that way. We can build the world to be a better place in which men can go to hell. Just because we now feed all the people doesn't mean that people are going to heaven. It doesn't give them forgiveness of sins. If we could somehow fix the homeless problem and make it so that way nobody had to live on the streets again, that would be a wonderful thing, but it doesn't solve their problem that they need a Savior. You could pass the laws. You could pass the thing. You could support the government. And by the way, as a Christian, we should use our rights as citizens to vote. But that's not where our hope lies. Our hope is not in the governor, no matter who the governor is. Our hope is not in the president. You know, some people put the idea of religiousness with our current president. But he cannot bring revival. Now, he may fight some political things, but it does not change the hearts of men. And yet, some people are convinced that it is the material world, that if we throw enough money at it, it will solve the problem. When the problem is not material things, it's a heart issue. And this is a trap that we all fall in, is that we put our attention on the physical. 
when the disciples are being questioned by Jesus, Jesus says, Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of the Herod. They immediately went to the physical world and said, It's because we didn't get bread. We're getting yelled at because we didn't bring bread. Oh, it's our fault. We failed. But Jesus isn't working on a physical problem. Do you know that was never a problem? Jesus is going to teach that to him in a second. That's not the problem. What is the problem that he points out? Your heart's hardened. Why do you get a hardened heart? By the way, we covered that a couple sessions ago. Unbelief. It's when we don't respond properly to God's word. When God teaches us something. Remember the disciples had saw the feeding of the 5,000. Saw the feeding of the 4,000. And they're so used to Jesus' miracles that they didn't respond properly to it. It didn't do what they were supposed to do. Now they're being tested. Did you learn the lessons that I tried to teach you with the feeding of the 5,000 and the feeding of the 4,000? Let's see how they do on their test. Notice with me, if you don't mind, in verse number 18. Having eyes to see, ye see, or having eyes, see ye not, and having ears, hear ye not, and do ye not remember. What were they supposed to remember? The lessons that Jesus taught them. What lessons? Now he quizzes them, all right? Verse number 19. And when I break five loaves, so he had five loaves. Remember what I said a loaf was? It was like a biscuit. When I had five loaves and I break it among 5,000, how many baskets full of fragments took you up? And they say unto him, 12. So five little biscuits fed the 5,000 men plus their wives and children who were there. And when they were done, they had 12 baskets of leftovers. Was the problem a uh, physical problem? No. He goes, remember. Here's the second thing you were supposed to remember. Verse number 20. And when the seven, seven loaves among 4,000, how many baskets full of fragments took ye up? And they said, seven. So they had seven biscuits. And when they were done, they had seven baskets of, of leftovers, of remains. Was the problem that Jesus had and dealt with, was it a physical problem? And he said unto them, how is it that ye do not understand? What is it they're supposed to understand? Well, they had the problem. We didn't bring any food. And Jesus said, why are you letting this bother you? I don't need to, you to bring the lunch. I could, could provide you a lunch. That's not a problem. You know, Jesus is the creator God and he could provide everything you need. He could provide what you need physically. This is why Jesus said in, a, in the Beatitudes that you don't have to worry about food and raiment because Jesus can take care of that. If he feeds the sparrow, guess what? He could feed you. It's not a problem for him. We could depend upon him. He could take care of that. What we're supposed to be working on is making sure we're right spiritually. That we're not so concerned with the physical. By the way, there's a lot of things that concern us physically. Turn on the news. Turn on Facebook. We're worried about a physical problem in our current society right now. Not a problem for Jesus. You know what Jesus is trying to do? Is he's trying to use a physical problem to do a spiritual solution. He's trying to use this physical thing to get people's spiritual lives pointing to him. 
Because with God, all things are possible. If we're going to be concerned with the material world, with money and power, we will miss the great things that God is doing around us. If we're worried about how the bills are going to get paid, how am I going to do this? We're concentrating on the physical things. We're going to miss that God is actually working around us. Right now, this is a big problem that people have. That people are worried about masks, no mask, shopping, closing, lockdowns, whatever else. Those are physical problems. And yet we're fighting against the idea, should I wear this? What do I do this? What happens if this does this? What happens if we close down? And yet we're missing that God is doing something all around us. He is clearly working. He's drawing people close. He's making people search their hearts. He's making them change the things that they were used to do so we could replace it with something better. God is at work without a doubt very clearly. And you say, I can't see it. That's because you're looking at the things, the physical. You're concentrating on this. On this. And you're missing that God is working. We do that too. We'll look at the problem and say, this is so horrible. And we miss that God is actually doing something because of it. He's working on the outside. We're missing the amazing things that God is doing currently. Present tense. Amazing things. Because we're so concerned about the material. We're supposed to be looking something different than this. This is why he told the disciples, beware of those guys over there. Those are hypocrites. Later on, he warns them, beware of the leaven of the Sadducees, of unbelief. Unbelief will ruin you. But he says, the biggest one you need to worry about is the leaven of the Herodians. And they look at him almost like a calf looking at a new gate. What is that? And their brain doesn't compute what he's saying. And they go, is this because we forgot lunch? No, no. This is what I'm trying to teach you. Don't do that. Don't do that. This? Yes. It's like he's teaching seventh graders. Why aren't you understanding? Why don't you get this? Why is this so hard for you to understand? Just do what I told you to do. With God, all things are possible. But we forgot lunch. Again, it makes me feel better as a teacher that Jesus had the same students. But at the same time, it's almost convicting because we've all do the same thing. Jesus says, all things are possible. But how is this going to get done? With God, all things are possible. But how are we going to survive when this happens? With God, all things are possible. But you don't understand what he's like. With God, all things are possible. But how am I going to take care of this? Almost makes you wonder how many times we make God go, I've probably done it way too many times. Why don't you understand this? Again, I could see Jesus, blackboard behind him. He's already wrote down, with God, all things are possible. All right, class, what are we supposed to learn today? We're learning? Is it lunch? Again, some of you may have taught, maybe some of you were those seventh graders. 
Isn't it just a visual aid right there? Jesus at the blackboard. You do something with a blackboard. You get that shock and really just tap on that wall and it echoes. And then you get that little, that's what you do when the kids are sleeping. And they're like, what you do? What's the answer? I don't know. What's the answer? Beware of the leaven of the Herodotans. Most of us, if we're where we're at, we're not struggling with the hypocrisy part. We know that we're sinners saved by grace and that we need lots of help. We're not trying to pretend to be something we're not. Hopefully, most of us are not at the idea of disbelief, that we believe that God can. Our problem is that we concentrate on the physical world and we're missing what God is doing around us and what God is able to do around us. And this is the same problem the disciples had. Now, it's kind of fun to pick on the disciples, but it's also convicting. I want you to pay attention in the next, as we finish off the book of Mark, how many times this teacher relationship, he's teaching these seventh graders, and they just miss it time and time and time again. And when the big exam happens, and Jesus is nailed to the cross, and he's put on a borrowed tomb, did they pass the test? We'll find that in the gospel record of Mark. Did they pass it? How did they survive? And it wasn't because Jesus didn't teach them. It's because they weren't listening. Because they were so concerned about the physical things in front of them that they missed that there's a God who's at work. With God, all things are possible. Thank you for listening to this audio message. This is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and I encourage you to take this information that you just received and make a specific decision to follow after the Lord. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, let me beg you to take the time to receive Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. If you are saved, I encourage you to make a decision in your life to help you get closer with the Lord. If there's anything specific we can do to be a blessing or to pray for you, we encourage you. Look us up on the internet at riverviewbc.com. Once again, that's riverviewbc.com. Or if you would prefer to call us, you can give us a call at area code 920 Five three zero six three zero eight. Once again, that number is nine two zero five three zero six three zero eight. If there's anything we can do to be a blessing or an encouragement to you, please let us know. We would love to make ourselves available. Thank you.